to open, and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. It's always there to direct us. So we stand in need to hear your word so that our lives can be directed from your spirit. I step back so, Father, the spirit of God can use me to speak the oracles of God into your people. And I thank you in advance that as the word goes forth, as it goes through the airwaves, as it reaches people's homes and enters their hearts, I thank you for spiritual change taking place in their lives. We take authority over the enemy and we say you have no place, you have no authority, and you have no power over our lives or over this word. And we thank you, Father, that your word is going to go forth because it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we declare today that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of hearing this word today. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. So if you just joined us, we are in a lesson series uh, that has been eight weeks called Facing the Giants. And the purpose of the series that we've been doing is to help us identify areas of our lives where giants exist and then remove them by allowing the light of God's word to help us now yield to the Holy Spirit so we can operate and live in freedom. Psalm 119, 130 says this. It should be on your screen. The entrance of your word gives light. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So I want you to hear me today. Before freedom can take place, truth or light must be received. I'm going to say that again. Before freedom takes place, it's impossible to be free. It's impossible to overcome giants. It's impossible to, to, to rid them from your lives without first receiving light or truth. Now, last week, we dealt with the giant of self-control or temperance. And because this is such a wide and impactful area, I decided to do a part two of last week's lesson. So if you're taking notes, our lesson title is Facing the Giant of Self-Control, and this is part two. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do a small review for those of you who weren't here on last week and for those of you who were because faith doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing. So what I'm going to do is get a, do a small review and then we're going to jump into this week's lesson. All right. So our lesson on last week started out by us defining what the word temperance means. When you look the word temperance up in the Bible, it means self-control. Everybody say self-control. Come on, say it again. Say self-control. All right. So there's another word, though, that helped us define what self-control me self means. And it's also uh, in the Bible. It's a word that we don't use pretty much at all in our English language. And it's the word continence. Okay. And when you look that word up, it means self-restraint. And then it says, especially in the area of sexual activity. So if we combine these two definitions, temperance and this word continence, which is part of temperance, then it means, watch this now, self-control with restraints. 
And that's what we're going to be focusing on today is how to exercise self-control. Watch this now through self-denial. I'm going to say that again. We're going to talk about how to exercise self-control through self-denial. Now, before we do that, let's go into now. I had three points on last week. I'm going to go through those quickly. The first point last week was temperance is managed on the inside, but influenced from the outside. Temperance is managed on the inside. Self-control, it's managed on the inside, but it's influenced from the outside. We learned that temperance is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23 says, Meekness, and then it says, Temperance or self-control. In other words, when we're born again of God's Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us, He brings with Him the ability for us to have temperance or self-control. Now, self-control, it's managed on the inside. And this can only be done by the help of the Holy Spirit. See, there's a difference between willpower, listen to me now, and Holy Spirit power. The difference is, if you try to manage or have self-control with just willpower, then it's only about what you can do. But when you yield to the Spirit of God, that, that, that feeling, that urge, that emotion, whatever it is, when you yield to Him, now He allows you to walk in temperance. Why? Because you have His help with you. All right? And so our second point on last week was self-control requires restraints, not just rules. I'm going to say that again. Self-control or temperance requires restraints and not just rules. See, rules tell us what we need to do. It tells us what we don't need to do. But restraints are things that you and I should put in place to help us do or not do those things. The New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27 says this. Paul said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. In other words, you and I, we must put boundaries and restraints in place so that self-control is achievable, just like an athlete would. An athlete, what they do is that they put certain restraints into their life, into their habits, into their health, into their, all of that. They put it in place so their bodies can perform what it needs to. In other words, they restrict sometimes the things that they eat. Why? Because the wrong type of food can slow down their performance. And so just like they do it, we must do it. And then our third point was, you and I must train in order to reign. Train in order to reign. In other words, if we're going to reign at new levels, listen, we must train at our current level. I'm going to say that again. In order for us to reign at new levels, because there's nothing more frustrating than to be stuck at a level. So what you and I must do in order to go to a reign at new levels, we must train, watch this, at our present level. Your future success level is dependent on your current, watch this, renewed mind level. 
I'm going to say that again. Your future success level. I, if I were to ask everyone who in here wants to be a success, we would all raise our hand, right? But our future success level is dependent on our current renewed mind level. And I'm going to talk about that later. You and I, we must renew our minds or we will keep the same mindset we had that we were born with. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed, watch this, by the renewing of your mind. And when this happens, we are able to prove what is good and what is acceptable and what the perfect will of God is. Listen, a renewed mind will help you now discern God's will for your life. And the only way that we're going to be able to prove what's good and acceptable and what God's will is we're going to have to exercise a form of self-control. Someone say amen to that. All right, so now that brings me now to the first point that we have. So you've taken notes, get your pen and paper out, and be prepared to take some notes, and I want you to go back and watch the message this week. All right, so here's point number one. Self-control, watch this, starts with self-denial. Oh, self-control starts with self-denial. And, and, and I'm starting out with a pretty strong point. And I know that's a strong statement. But, so let me give you the principle behind what I'm saying. If you and I are in control, listen, that means God's not in control. You may well say, Pastor Evan, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Well, yeah, that is true. But what is the Spirit in us Therefore, what is he in there for? He's in there, watch this, to lead us and guide us into all truth. But he's also there to help us obey God. So the only way for us to obey God, watch this, is for us to deny ourselves and yield to God. Luke 9.23 now is the foundation of what I'm telling you about this principle. Because you will not reach next levels in your life spiritually, and in some cases physically and mentally or emotionally, you will not reach next levels until you have learned to say no to you. Amen. Luke 9.23 says this. This was Jesus talking. He said to them all, If any man will come after me, Watch what he says. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower of mine, he says, you will have to deny yourself and then take up your cross daily and follow me. I love the New Living Translations of that verse, Luke 9, 23. It says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. The Living Bible says it this way. Then Jesus said to all, Anyone who wants to follow me must put aside his own desires and conveniences and carry his cross with him every day and keep close to me. Wow! Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. See, the moment you and I decided to follow Jesus Christ is the moment self-denial should have started. I'm going to say that again. The moment we said yes to Jesus Christ, the day that we made him Lord and Savior of our lives, is the moment self-denial should have started. 
In other words, watch this now. Had Adam and Eve denied themselves, they would have never disobeyed God, which now helps us to see that the only thing that keeps us from obeying God is when we obey self. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Let me rewind now. Somebody need to hear it. Listen, had Adam and Eve denied themselves, they would have never disobeyed God, which tells us that the only thing that keeps us from obeying God is when we obey self. When we are following Jesus, we must deny our feelings and our will when they contradict what God's Word instructs us to do. See, sometimes our feelings want to do something different from the Word. But self-denial says, no, I am going to die to myself. And I'm going to show you how to do that today. I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to live toward the Word that I know. In Luke 22:39, it says, we, we, we can see that Jesus, and this is when he was one, in one of the most spiritual, emotional, and, uh, and mental battles of his life. This was when he was praying in the garden. And it says in Luke twenty two thirty nine, 39, and he, Jesus, came out and he went as he would. In other words, he went as his custom was to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at that place, he said to them, pray, watch this, that you enter not into temptation. Now, let me just stop there because a lot of people fall into temptation because they're not praying. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. He didn't say pray so temptation won't come. He didn't say that because temptation's going to come. He says, pray, watch this now, that you enter not into temptation. Verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them, a stone cast. He kneeled down, he prayed. He says, Father, now I want you to picture Jesus. He's on his knees. He's by himself. He's in an intimate place. And he says, Father, if you are willing, in other words, if this is your will, can you remove this cup from me? And then there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now listen. In one of the most difficult times of Jesus' life, he denied his will. And if you notice, I want you to notice something. Angelic help came and supported him when he decided to choose God's way. See, when you and I, when we deny ourselves and we decide to obey God, angelic help will come and strengthen us and support us when we choose God's way. Well, the only way for us to deny our wills, watch this now, because this is how you do it. How do you deny your will is when you first have to submit to God's will. See, somebody's will has to be stronger than the other one. And the only way we can submit to God's will, watch this now, class, you have to humble yourselves and deny your will. You have to deny how you feel, and you have to yield to God's way of doing things. Now, let me illustrate this, okay? Because I said the only way to obey God or to deny our wills is that we have to submit to God's will. So we have our wills okay we're used to that okay this is what we want to do 
This is what we want to act. This is how we want to do something. This is how we want to treat people. The, all of this is wrapped up in our wills. In other words, when God wants us to do something, you say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Read the Bible. He'll tell you, right? And, and so this is our will, okay? But when you and I get saved, now we have access to God's will. Now, what should happen as believers, we should grasp hold of God's will, and this should be the driving force of our life. But this is not what happens in the ordinary life of a believer. What happens is we try to juggle both. What we do is we hold our will and God's will up. And so, depending on how we feel that day, depends on what happens to us, depends on what somebody said, depends on where our emotions are, we'll determine which one we're going to do. Now see, it's only an option, it's only an option when you haven't made a decision which one you're going to rule by. See, if I put my will down and I'm only holding God's will, I really only have a choice to do it His way. But see, what we do we do this. Now, I'm going to show you at the end how to get rid of this one right here or how to work with it. All right? So, God gives us grace. I'm going to read now because what happens is the only way we're going to submit to God's will is to humble ourselves and deny our wills. So, James 4, 6 says, but he, God, gives more grace for he says, God resists the proud. But he gives grace unto the humble. Notice who he gives grace to. He gives grace to the one who humbles themselves. What does that mean? That means that person has made God's will more important than their will. Verse 7 says, watch this. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You and I cannot resist the devil until we first submit ourselves to God. So, our first point was self-control starts with self-denial. Everybody say self-control starts with self-denial. All right, here's point number two, if you're taking notes. Self-denial makes life better, not necessarily easier. Okay, all right, listen, we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty because you're sitting there saying, well, Pastor Evan, I'll tell you what. I would do better, but it's so hard. It's so hard to say goodbye to my flesh. I know. I know. Self-denial makes life better. I want you to hear me. Not necessarily easier. In other words, life gets better when we obey God. But I want you to notice what I didn't say. I didn't say life gets easier when we obey God. I said life gets better. You see, the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have comes only when we do things God's way. And many times you and I, we resist God's way because it seems too stringent, too restrictive, and less free. When in reality, God's way is not only the best way, but it will always lead me towards his best for my life. When God spoke to me years ago when I was 27 years old and told me he wanted me to quit my job in corporate America, which was a dream of mine to work there, he wanted me to quit my job and go to Bible school in Jamaica. Let me be honest with you, church. I did not want to do that. 
I did not want to do it. There are going to be times that God wants you to do stuff you don't want to do. So I had a choice at that point. I had a choice to do it my way or to obey God's way. Now, one thing that I knew at the time, I knew that obeying God always profited your life. I knew that. So I had to make a decision. Did I want my life to get better or did I want my life to be in my hands? Well, you know the story. I went ahead and obeyed God. So I want us to read now Luke 9, 23 again. We read it earlier. It was the foundation of a teaching. But now I want to read verse 24, which is the next verse after 23. It says in verse 23. Again, but this time, uh, it says in verse 20, uh, 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Here's verse 24. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life, watch this, for my sakes, the same shall have it. I love the New Living Translation. It says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Life gets better when we obey God. It doesn't always get easier, but it will always get better. Let me tell you a secret. Your full potential as a believer and as a person will only flourish when the old you dies. I'm going to say that again. See, potential is untapped success. That's what that is. In other words... Things that are on the inside of us that haven't come on the outside of us. Potential is untapped success or potential. Untapped things that we can do. And you and I, as believers, would never reach our full potential until we, listen, allow the old man to die. John chapter 12 verse 24 says this. Verily, verily, this is Jesus talking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, watch this, accept the corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And he that love his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Watch the New Living Translation. Watch what it says. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. Notice now. A seed has to go in the ground and not just go in the ground, it has to die. And that's why the devil is so very, very, he, he's, he's a conniving thief. Because when the word, when you, we hear the word like this, when it starts to get planted, he makes sure that when that, that seed of the word goes in our heart, he tries to dig it up immediately because he already knows if it gets in there, if the word gets in there, and if it dies and begins to take root in our lives, he knows change is going to come. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death, watch this now, will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Verse 25 says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Verse 26 says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So listen, 
Life only gets easier. Listen, listen to what I'm, listen, listen. Life only gets easier. Watch this now. When we are dead and we allow Christ to shine through our lives through us. Remember I said, listen, life, uh, uh, living life. I'm gonna, let me get to give you the, the, the point. The point is self-denial makes life better, not, ne- not necessarily easier. And so that is true. But listen, life can get easier, but the only way it's going to get easier is when we die to ourselves. Watch this. Why? Because a dead man can't feel nothing. I mean, think about this. Now, I know this is very uh, can be disrespectful, but I'm saying it in a jokingly way, but I want you to get the point. All right? If a dead man was up here and there was a funeral going on, they're in a casket, they dead. And if somebody who uh, was upset with them when they, before they died walked up to the casket and just slapped them, that dead man ain't going to do nothing. He didn't feel it. He didn't scream. He didn't holler. He didn't try to swing back. Why? Because he is dead. And when you and I are dead, it allows the Spirit of God to flow through us. Amen. Life only gets easier when we are dead. Paul the Apostle said in the latter part of 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he said, I die daily. See, your old man wants to wake up every day. But you and I make the decision if we want to wake him up or not. The New Living Translation of Galatians 2.20, one of the first verses I learned as a believer says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we're going to live a life of self-control, we must die to self. So that Christ can live. You know, some of us, our flesh wakes up every morning. And people don't see Jesus. They see us. Amen. They see your bad attitude. Amen. They see your stinginess. Can I borrow your stapler? You got your own stapler. Well, yeah, they might have their own stapler, but there's a reason why they're asking for yours, right? So let's move into point three. This is where I want to spend my time because this one right here, I'm going to help you activate this self-denial principle because you're not going to succeed as a believer until you learn how to deny you. Amen. Watch this now. Here's point number three. Self-denial can only happen... When I yield, not when I feel. I'm going to say that again. Self-denial can only happen when I yield, not when I feel. We've already established that temperance is the fruit of the Spirit. We read that. What does that mean? That means one of the displays that shows that we are yielding to the Spirit of God is when we show forth fruit, or in this case, temperance. All right? That was in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So the only way we're going to be able to walk in self-control consistently and successfully is by yielding to the Spirit of God. So how does that look? So... I'm about to show you now how we are made up. 
And then once I do that, I'm going to help you understand why sometimes it's so, it's so hard or it's such a struggle to obey the Spirit. So uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I'm about to show you now what it looks like to yield to the Spirit of God. So let me, let me just show you how we're made up. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctifies you wholly. Watch what he says. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice we are made up of three parts? Everybody say spirit, soul, body. And those three parts of us are how we are made up. Now, being born again is very important because the spirit part of us that was dead is now alive towards God when we accept Jesus Christ. So over here is a small hand-drawn uh, example here. And I want you to see that this first circle represents our heart. Now, you say, well, Pastor Eben, where is the spirit to influence my heart? Because everybody, unbelievers have this right here. That's the spirit part. So watch this. Let's read now 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Verse 22. Who has sealed us. God has sealed us. Watch this now. And has given us the earnest or the down payment of the Spirit. Where? In our hearts. Where? In our hearts. So the Holy Spirit is inside of my heart. So this whole circle represents our heart. Okay? That represents our heart. The Holy Spirit is inside here. And this is what happens now. When He comes inside... That heart that was full of sin is now a new heart. It's a new heart. This is brand new. That's when he says, I'll give you a new heart, one made of flesh. That's where that new heart comes from. That's why the Holy Spirit can come in because he removed all sin. Okay? And this is why, see, unbelievers don't have this part. They got this. But this heart, their heart is dark. It's full of sin. And until they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and get born again of the Spirit, then their heart, this is... This is the part of you that has been made forever. This is eternal. Spirit is eternal. And this is, the, this is the real part of the person. And this is the part that's going to go to hell. Hell is real. Okay? So you need to get hell out of your life. I'm talking to somebody right now. So this is what happens. Our heart is here. We get born again of the Spirit. But I want you to notice that First Thessalonians 5 said, He prays that our whole spirit soul and body be made blameless so now i want you to notice that our soul which represents our mind our will our thoughts and how we feel that part of us is in the middle but if you notice it is intertwined with our spirit because this is how now the spirit of god speaks to us this is one of the ways and this is why it is so important as a believer to get this part of you renewed you got to renew your mind. Why? Because renewing your mind helps you, watch this, to obey God. Do you all see that? All right. So now the Spirit of God has been given to us so that we can reign 
and yield to him. And that's why you can write down 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. I'm a new person. So the Spirit of God now has as much rain, listen to me, as we give him. The Spirit of God has as much rain as we give Him. And so there are three things. This is where now the application of of you denying yourself, me denying myself, this is how you do it. There are three things that we need to do that will help us yield to the Holy Spirit. Because when I yield to Him, watch this, self-denial will take place and I will yield to the Father's will. So here's the first one, and that is we must renew our soul. Right here, renew. Say, well, Pastor Edmund, how how do I do that? You got to now convert this because the old you thinks the old way. It feels the old way. It acts the the old way. So I have to renew my soul. How do I do that? I got to put the word inside. I got to put the word inside. The Bible says the word of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. Romans 8, 5 says this. For they that are after the flesh, watch this, do mind the things that are of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Watch this now, class. Because our soul consists of our mind, our will, our thoughts, and how we feel. Verse 6 says, for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then, watch this, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So when we get born again, we now have access to this spirit on the inside of us. It is up to us to yield. What will help us yield to this spirit is when we renew the soul. Because if you notice, the soul's in the middle. And most of the time, he determines what we're going to do. Because whoever you feed the most is the one you're going to obey the most. All right? So now, we have to renew our soul. Here's number two. We must strengthen our spirit. The New Living Translation of Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Don't care what kind of weaknesses you have. You can have a cussing weakness, a drinking weakness, uh, a sleeping weakness. Whatever weakness you have, the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, if we don't know what to do, I'm reading now the New Living Translation of Romans 8 26. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings which cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, for us believers, in harmony with God's own will. In other words, we have to learn how to strengthen our spirit by praying in the Spirit. Jude chapter 20 or Jude 1:20 is only one chapter in Jude uh, verse 20 says but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. See, when you pray in English, you're praying by the Holy Ghost. But when you're praying in, in tongues, you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And so when you and I begin to pray in the Spirit, it strengthens us. So now my heart gets stronger. And if I feed it the most, if I'm praying in the Spirit, 
the stronger I pray, the more I pray and the more I feed my heart the word and the more I renew my mind, my soul, it makes it easy for my soul to yield to the spirit. Okay, but I want you to notice something. Here's the third thing we got to do, and then I'm gonna, we're going to close it right here. Here's the third thing we must do. We must yield to the Holy Spirit. We must yield to the Holy Spirit. Remember now, whoever you yield to becomes stronger. Romans 6.16 says this, Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants to whom you obey whether it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. In other words, listen, the more you yield to the Spirit, the more you win the fight. See, the more we obey and the more we yield, the stronger we get over here. And the stronger we get over here, the weaker we get over here. Because let me tell you something about your body. Your body is only going to follow whoever the strongest is over here. So you wonder why you still have hang-ups in certain areas. It's because your body is only following your soul. Now let me tell you what makes it good. When the Spirit of God begins to speak to our hearts and you hear the Spirit of God, there's nothing like hearing God's voice for yourself. But it's very difficult to hear God's voice sometimes Because we've yielded so much to our flesh. We've catered so much to what we want to do. So how do we apply this today? I'm going to give you a good way to apply this. I'm going to use the word pray. And I'm going to give you a definition of each letter. So P stands for that. Pray. In other words, pray. When when you're dealing with a situation... I don't care where you are and what's going on. Pray right then and there for God to help you. God, I need you to help me to not slap Jojo right now. I want to slap him right now. I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. You need to pray. Here's now number two, R. Remember, whoever you obey gets stronger. You know, when you're going through something, let's say, for instance, now, you you, you and your kids are, are going through a battle, and... They seem to trying to disrespect you. Well, the first thing you really need to do is pray. You really need to pray because if not, you're going to look real good in orange and white. Okay, so the first thing is pray. The second thing is you got to remember whoever I obey gets stronger. Here's the, the A. Always think through what you're about to say or do. Don't be like Flip Wilson. See, some of y'all don't know who Flip Wilson is. That's fine. Flip Wilson was an old school comedian. And one of the things he used to say was, the devil made him do it. Well, if you and I have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, the devil can't make us do it. We may allow the devil to do it, or he may use us, but he can't make us do it. And so letter A is always think through what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do. You might have to just pause. You might be in the middle of an argument. And, it, and this catch you, oh, remember what you're about to say. And you just stop. And you just tell the person, can you hold on for a minute? Hold on for a minute. <sighs> you might have to break out of praise on that person. Father, I bless you. I thank you. I glorify you. I need you to help me right now. Help me with JoJo. Help me. Help me. 
So you want to always think through. Let me tell you. Most people make apologies for things that they said that they had control over not even saying. Let me tell you something about words. Words are spirit. Words are spirit. And when you say spiritual things to people, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words, they, they, they hold a lot more weight than sticks and stones because words are spirit and they get on the inside of you. So before you say something, before you do something, think through it. And then here's the last one, which is why. Yield to God by saying with your mouth, Holy Spirit, I give in to you. Holy Spirit, I give in to you. And there are some people right now watching me. That needs to be your prayer. Holy Spirit, I give in to you. What is he asking you to give in to right now? Is he asking you to give in to giving Jesus your heart today? Is he asking you to give in to that relationship that you're in, that you're battling? Is he asking you to do that? Is he asking you to go back and apologize to your kids by some of the hurtful things that you said to them? What is he asking you to do right now? I don't know, but what I do know is if you yield to him, he can make all things right. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those who have heard the word today. And I thank you that the word has reached fertile soil. Holy Spirit, go right now into the crevices of hearts and begin to change. Break down stubbornness. Break down, Father, the, the idols of ourselves. We've decided that we're going to obey us instead of obeying you. Father, bring down the idol so that we can deny ourselves. And there are some people watching me right now who need to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not sure, I want to pray for you.